Welcome to this edition of the Final Siren Podcast. Thanks to Draft Central. Head to afl.draftcentral.com.au. It's heating up, heading towards the 2019 AFL Draft. The book that we were referring to in the last edition is now available to help discuss that and a whole lot more. It is the Chief Editor of Draft Central, Pete Williams. Pete, before we get into the nuts and bolts of today's edition where we're taking a look at the middle-of-the-road teams, let's just have a quick chat. The The big draft guide is now available, afl.draftcentral.com.au for anyone that wishes to download it. Yeah, for sure. It's a terrific, uh, I guess, resource for anyone who wants to give it a read. It's A lot of work's gone into it. We've been doing it for... Well, well over a month now, and it's uh, you know quite quite detailed. We like to think there's you know photos, stats, um, a- our opinion on where we rate uh, the draftees, some of their strengths, improvements. Um, it- it's just really good because you can p- compare them side by side, both their on field and athletic traits. Um, and there's there's a few little other bits of content as well. O- overall, there's more than 200 profiles in the guide, and it's about 132 pages long. So it's uh, quite quite. I guess, in depth, but certainly, yeah, it's well worth the read and I, I quite enjoyed reading it back and certainly enjoyed it more reading it than, uh, I guess, all the time putting it together, but it's worth it in the end. So, uh, yeah, that's that's really exciting. Just admiring your own work there, Pete. Uh. <laughs> well, if you work on something for over a month, no, Foxy, you no. don't mind the uh, mind no. the getting to put the feet up at the end because, yeah, no, definitely I'd... it would definitely was worth, um, yeah, worth it in the end because, yeah, we've had we've had a lot of good positive feedback about it and, um, yeah, we made some changes as well uh, since the first release and that that went went out on Wednesday, so. Um, yeah, it's it's an exciting time and still a few weeks till the draft. And I say that tongue-in-cheek, I do know how much work has gone into it behind the scenes from the Draft Central team, so make sure that you do check it out, afl.draftcentral.com.au. It is the most comprehensive guide available heading towards the 2019 draft, looking at the prospects. So that's your first port of call. We should also mention that your first release of the power rankings have also come out this week. Mm. So it's a little different to previous months. It's only the last 10 that you're taking a look at and doing a 10 by yeah. 10. Um, or 20 by 20. 20 yeah, well, good what, to see you've read it, Coxie. I did read it. I thought it was only 10. <laughs> that just goes to show my mathematics. Mm. Um, but first first yeah, release? 60 to 41 was the first one. Highlights? Uh, well, it's a lot of the players that have been talked about that I, I guess are more later prospects. Like there's a, a lot of prospective tools. You've got like your Carl Finlay, your Dyson Hilders, your Charlie Combins, um, all, all around that region, as well as like Lockie Stapleton squeezed in at the end. And um, it, it's the ones that potentially have shown some good signs, Ryan Burns and, and whatnot. Um, Darcy Churgwin at the top of that group um, at 41. So they're players that have shown a bit of signs. They've still got... Um, I guess, areas of improvement. They're not quite at that top-end group, but um, I've sort of seen them as players that should make their way onto AFL lists or certainly go close. So, um, yeah, they're all very, very different, but, uh, yeah, they're all worth a bit of a read, and, of course, they'll all be in the draft guide. And most of the names will be some that we're going to be mentioning mm. today as we take a look at some of the prospects that could fit into your particular club. Um the release for the next couple of weeks is it going to be every Monday leading towards the draft just for people out there yeah, that yeah, want to yep. get their hands on some more draft content? Yeah, well, last week it was uh, on, uh, released on the Sunday because of we had the uh, the book come out on the Monday. So, um, But certainly, yeah, we'll aim for each Monday. So obviously next Monday will be the... Uh, the 40 to 21 count, and then the 20 to number one, which I don't think 
Uh, anyone will be too surprised by number one in the end. I think we all know who that's going to be. But um, nonetheless, uh, the intrigue leading up to that point will be uh, very good. And finally, all these housekeeping that we're getting to here on the final Siren podcast, thanks to Draft Central. We started last week a new series, taking mm. a look at what your club might be requiring in the 2019 draft and trying to put pieces of the puzzle together. Got some good feedback. You've yeah. received some fan mail. Uh, Pete's inbox, I think we're calling this segment. Pete's inbox, uh, um, that's an interesting one. Yes. Uh, what have you received in your inbox this week, Pete? Yeah, well, uh, it was quite interesting. Uh, you, you know, uh, any regular listeners to the podcast would uh, know how much I love to pay out on you. So um, I just uh, got a message off someone that sort of said, uh, just a note, um, you know, great podcast, love your work. Um, when we were discussing it last week in terms of the premiership window and you were talking about GWS and obviously um, dismissing them having a chance, uh, you know, shellacking the grand final, um, you mentioned a couple of others. You mentioned Port Power and he said, uh, your mate, obviously referring to you, uh, you mentioned Port Power, but he also named Frio, who lost by 15 points. So when we are talking shellackings, Coxie, I, I, I know you love the word comprehensive, yeah, but and a, 15 points is not a shellacking. Well, 12 points in my category is a comprehensive from yeah, well, earlier in the year. He's he, called you out on that. He which has. Is a, he has. I knew uh, it was a it was a Hawthorne. He or she. We don't, we don't know for sure, of course. But Hawthorne grand mm. final that there was a shellacking, that there was a side that came off mm. second best. Um, I think I was actually thinking of the Sydney one the year after. So, it, And it wasn't as comprehensive as mm. the most recent grand final, but it was still the fair margin and goals kick. So... Just getting a little puzzled, I think, uh, last week. Yeah. But I, I appreciate that yeah. feedback and I call for more of it. We want your to hear what your thoughts are on the Final Siren podcast and questions that you've got for us as well. And Especially if you're calling out Coxie. I, yeah, well, I definitely I'll enjoy take, that. I'll fall on my sword for, uh, <laughs> for everyone out there. Um, but no, glad that uh, people are listening and enjoying it and uh, able to contribute as well. Yeah. Yep, no, it's a, a good time, really exciting time, and obviously, yeah, plenty of people are wanting to hear about the draft, and um, yeah, obviously, Draft Central is the place to be. It certainly is, afl.draftcentral.com.au. Okay, so for those that are just joining us for the first time, last week we took, the look, took a look at the premiership window, those sides that finished top six mm. in the 2019 AFL season, and took a look at what they need on their list and potentially some of the names and prospects that could be heading there. This edition, we're taking a look at what we're calling the middle-of-the-road team. So these are ones that are either about to pull the trigger and become serious contenders or are just on the verge of dropping off and, and almost mm. but not quite needing a rebuild. There's some very interesting lists that we're about to pick apart in today's um, episode. Before we get stuck into it, is there a team that you look at the most going into this draft and he's, you're just really scratching your head to think, what are they going to do? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I know which way I want to go with that one. Uh, but look, I'll lay, I'll lay off uh, Coxie for a moment, Essen supporter over there. Look, I, I think it's going to be um, really interesting to, to uh, certainly out of these teams, to see what, um, like North Melbourne's a, a great example to see what they're going to do because they obviously traded out of that top 10 range to get another one next year so they're obviously got a few needs what they need um they see is going to be available at those mid-range picks they've got back-to-back picks at 26 27 which we'll discuss later but they've obviously seen that they can 
potentially fill needs just through those picks rather than in the top end. Um, and it's going to be really keen to see what happens there. Is that, I know we'll discuss this in length later on, but does that surprise you given we've talked about how this is an even draft, but it's probably not an even draft to the high end mm. scale in terms of talent. Mm. So to remove yourself from the top 10 and try and get that back end or second round, third round options is it still going to be strong enough for clubs like North Melbourne or even look at someone like an Adelaide who's got picks in that region as well? Is it going to be strong enough by the time we get there? Well, clearly it's not going to be like the top elite talents that are going to be on show. You're not going to get a Matt Rowell or a Noah Anderson, clearly. Um, but you can get um, players that they have clear strengths and clear improvements, like we'll mention later, but like a Jay Rantel, a Sam Philp, those kind, which those clubs need, a bit of speed, but outside mid. They know that, look, we could get, example, Dylan Stevens with pick eight, um, or we could get a player that potentially could live up to that, maybe not at that level right now, but someone who we feel could fill that void without using a top 10 pick. So therefore, we're going to go and we'll, you know dig around in the second or third rounds, pick up players that we think can get to that level that have a fair bit of improvement left in them. Um, and we think that's going to suit our list, particularly if they feel that the top-end talent that is in this draft, they're covered for those needs and that the needs that they um, require are later in the draft, which is potentially what they're thinking. So let's start with the Western Bulldogs. So they finished in seventh mm. position on the ladder this season, had a late flurry in the back half of the season and people were starting to get slightly optimistic about where they would finish in 2019. Mm. They weren't to progress beyond the elimination final. They did incredibly well during trade period. They not headhunted, but they acquired players that they needed. They needed roles to fill, so they bring in Josh Bruce as a, another key forward for them and Alex Keith as a key defender. So that shores up their spine, if you like. Mm. We've seen the promise of some of the talent coming on their list. There's not too many gaps I can see at the moment, so I think they're a side that's almost about to pull that trigger that we were thinking about and go towards another mm. flag. They remind me very much of Hawthorne, probably 2010, 2011, just before they started to get on the roll. And I'm not predicting that mm. they're going to go three, three grand finals over the coming year or three premierships. But just having the lull after their first flag mm. and just being able to regroup, resettle, they've still got some key pillars in the side, but they've now brought in talent that I think complements the list. And their pick's at 13.53, and then they've got a later one at mm. 89. So there's not too much they need to do with the draft. And I think they'll be looking longer term now for these prospects. Mm. Get someone elite in it with that 13 pick, as you'd expect, but then maybe try and find something that could value of them in yeah. about two, three years' time. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see which way they go. I get the feeling with the Bulldogs, they will go for uh, best available. Um, now, if that's a tall, it's a tall. If it's a small, uh, it's a small. I think that they're pretty stocked, as you mentioned, across the board. They're probably, if they go tall, they'll want, obviously, a, a top end, whether that's McCasey or Worrell, if they're available. I, th I get the feeling if neither of them are available, um, then they're not going to go. Like, it would be... Uh, Jackson won't be on the board by then. I think he'll be long gone. So um, if neither of them are on the board, I think they'll go small. Um, they might go small anyway if, like, Worrell might be on the board. McCasey probably not. Um, but if you look at this, they might be someone who bids on Liam Henry because he's what they need, a bit of pace, bit of speed, bit of X-factor. Um, 
you know, if Cody Waitman happened to be there, we know Melbourne might be keen. But again, that's maybe that's why they traded up from 14, potentially, knowing that the Bulldogs could have been keen at 13. Um, uh, Devin Robertson could be a player, ready-made. You mentioned needing ready-made players. He'd be ready-made to go straight into the midfield. He's got some great speed. And so. you'd be happy for them to take at pick 13 because we've had a, a discussion about this in the past, about where yeah. he goes in this draft. So 13 would be... Yeah, okay. like, I, I, I'd be happy with him going at 13. Like, at, at the end of the day, look, I, what you need is consistency. And um, I think it depends on club to club. And if you're ready-made, then I think that that's a perfect scenario for them. Um, they, they need someone, and he's got some deceptive pace about him. He, he clocked up a um, sub-three-second 20-meter and a sub-eight-second agility. So even though he doesn't always use it, he does have it there. So... Um, it, it sort of adds an extra dimension um, to his game. Uh, and then outside of that, you've also got Brody Kemp, who, again, probably won't be there, but you never know with, you know, the injury weighing on people's minds. Um, he won't last too much longer if he is there. So I think he's another one they might consider. But it's going to be very interesting for the Dogs because we know that there's a 40-pick gap for them down the track. So, um, again, we sort of suggested it with other clubs, but potentially they might end up trading down um, to get a couple later, particularly if, say, they were looking at a tall and McCasey Worrell off the board and they go, okay, we don't have it. Let's trade with a, a team down the track with a couple of picks. Um, we can pick up perhaps a, a, a Harrison Jones or Sam DeConning, someone like that, that um, isn't in that top, say, 13, 14 picks, but we can get them in, say, the early 20s or something, and then that way we pick them up plus an, uh, fill another need with that pace. So, um yeah, it's going to be very interesting for the Bulldogs. Won't be massively active players because obviously just the three picks they got, well, 53 and then 89. So, um, But yeah, they, they did a lot of their work in trade week, as you said. Yeah, I feel we were talking last week about West Coast and them being in the window and going mm. all guns blazing. I'm getting a similar impression about the Bulldogs. I don't think they're as classy. And obviously getting new talent into the club, you're not going to get the classy mm. player to fill an immediate role um, at pick 13. Yeah. I mean, Robertson, I think, could come in and play a role, but um, I feel that they're primed and will be ready to push. I think yeah. they're almost part of that premiership window. Yeah. Um, so intrigued to see how they mm. go about things over the coming month and year. Mm. Now we get to a club I'm a bit nervous about <laughs> um, because I know I threw a, a few barbs at yeah. you last week with Collingwood. So here's the Bombers. They finished eighth. In the 2019 season, uh, that final win still eludes them. They have picks, but mm. not until, what is it, the end of the second round, nearly third round mm. we're getting to by the time they enter the draft at 31, 33. And then they've got a couple around the same area in 61, 64 and 65. Mm. My question to you is can they get what they need from the draft. So we've heard constantly the commentary surrounding the Essendon footy club is they need a, a big, solid inside midfielder that's able to win the ball at the cold face. They need a, a, another, someone up forward that can kick goals, but not yeah. your second or third string, probably a, a key forward. And maybe even a bit of pace. Mm. There's something that they like, not coming off half back, but around, around the ball in the middle. You add into that that there are a couple of potential... Uh, players that could come onto the list courtesy of the father-son and next generation academy rules with Mason Fletcher. Can the Bombers get what they need from this year's draft? 
Uh, well, they're obviously going to be able to add a couple of mid-draft players. Uh, they're in a bit of an awkward spot because they're sort of in that position where the, the ones that they might ideally want will be gone and the ones that they could take might be a bit early. So they're sort of in that position where they're not quite like Adelaide. Adelaide have a few in the 20s, which is pretty handy for what they might need. Um, ideally, Essendon, if they could have a pick earlier in the 20s, they could um, perhaps snare a, a, a tall um, or perhaps one of the uh, top end inside mids, um, particularly if you have a bit of pace with them. Um, like, for example, your Jay Rantels, um, your Sam Phillips have a bit of face, uh, pace. Philp might be there um, at those picks. You'd expect he probably would be. Um, you've got Daniel Mott um, potentially around that range and Harry Schoenberg. They're the ones I sort of anticipate to be there. Rantel might be, though he's gaining a bit more interest, so he might might not be. Um, Darcy Chergwin is one that I'd throw in there that could potentially be someone they consider. Um, it's going to be interesting because... Whether or not you potentially try and just go best available and you go like a tall and hope that one of maybe Harrison Jones, Sam DeConning, maybe they slip to 31 somehow. Um, you could go a bit early with Charlie Combin. Um, sort of depends. Um, but again, you might want to split that 33 for a late 30s and a 40s or something pick um, potentially to try and get a couple of those if the draft goes that way. Um, you know, uh, in, later on, You'd probably have to read it, but uh, Mitch Georgiatis is one that could... No one really knows exactly where he could go. He could go as early as 30s or as late as 60s. So he could be someone down there. Emerson Jecker is another one who perhaps in those later picks, if he's on the board, um, Combin if he slides. So there's a few options back there. It's just what they decide to go with. So I'm going to pull you up there and and let's talk about Mason Fletcher because last year he decided not to go in the draft because of the back issue that he had for most yeah. of the 2018 season in his 18th year. He's returned to the Calder Cannons as a 19-year-old, played mainly forward as, as a key target there. He showed glimpses. There were days where you could see the talent and the ability to produce, but it hasn't been consistent. Now, mm. that's obviously be- because he's been out of footy for 12 yeah. months and trying to regain confidence and momentum. Do they take a bit of a punt on him. Given given the name, given the association with the club, there's a, there's a fair bit of reputation to go there. And to, to let a Fletcher go, I think, would be pretty heartbreaking for most Essendon supporters. I'll put my hand up there. But I just... He's got talent, and there's no disputing that. But I just question whether he's going to be able to produce that at AFL level. Yeah, it look... I think it's obvious to get off the board that it's not going to be more than a rookie pick. It's definitely not going to be in the Nationals. So, um, what I, what have you liked when you've seen him? Well, I mean, he, he, he gets the ball. He gets to the right positions. But his goal kicking when forward, you feel like he probably should be a defender. I think there was, uh, I'm not sure if it was the final by off the top of my head where he kicked about four or five behinds. Um, it's just that finishing work if playing as a forward. Um, he can play at both ends, which is a benefit. Mm. And obviously, you know, he's a Fletcher, so he's got long arms and legs. So he's got to build into that size, although I don't think Dustin ever did no. in his career. He was still <laughs> was as skinny as he was as a teenager. So 400 games um, in and we were yeah. still waiting for him to build in. Yeah, exactly. So, um, look, I think that it's probably maybe a 50-50 at best kind of thing if Essendon pull the trigger or not. Um, uh, again, if they do, it'll, it'll be a rookie kind of selection for a free hit. And they might go, look, we need a key position player. 
why not? Give him a chance, give him a year, see what happens. Maybe under our system, play VFL, see how he goes. And I think that's where... So what they do with their early picks and depending on who's available from a key position player, we know it's not uh, a strong draft in terms of Mm. that regard. So that might provide him with a bit of hope. It's almost not only from a draft perspective, but I think from a club perspective, they can go Mm. both ways and whichever way they decide to go. Hopefully it's up from this side of the desk. And it's worth it too, because if you notice that they have those late picks, if someone they want isn't there, potentially they can pass them and add someone extra to the rookie list. You know, that there's flexibility in that. Let's go to Hawthorne. They've got picks 11, 30, 42, 54 and 63. So mm-hmm. quite a healthy selection and a good consistency selection. Yeah. So it's not like there's massive gaps as in the previous two cases. In my notes here, I've got transitioning while they're at the top again. So they're starting to phase out players. Birchall, we've seen move mm-hmm. on to Brisbane. There's been a couple of others. Burgoyne, there was a bit of talk about him going on in 2020 they're bringing in talent as well so they've brought in sam frost and john o'patton i think that's to replace your rough head and eventually frawley as well given that he's on the more senior side of things now they're likely to bring in finn mcginnis the father-son prospect they probably need another tall maybe even a ruck if there's one available somewhere in the in the mid part of it but with pick 11 what would they be aiming for well, yeah, in an ideal world, if they're going tall, which I, I think they will with that first pick, um, certainly if they're on the board, um, McCasey, again, we, we sort of think, I think he'd be one of their main priorities because he can just lock down and be that 10-year um, dual position player that can replace um, players up either end. Um, and I think he's probably, well, he's a more um, higher-end prospect than some of the ones they've uh, drafted over the years because uh, in, in fairness to some of the players that have had like Tim O'Brien and whatnot, um, a, a lot of the players have been later selections just because of their success. They don't have first-round picks practically ever. So to to see Hawthorne heading into a draft with a, a pick 11, I think you'd practically have to go back to your buddy or your Mitch Thorpe days to actually realise they've got that high-end draft pick. Um, so... For me, I think that's a, a real positive for them. They're able to keep it this year, unless, of course, they trade it on <laughs> before draft night, which uh, will ruin all of this. But um, I think they're going to keep it mainly because of Finn McGuinness, who will cost them picks down the track. If they try and downtrade, then they might run into trouble. I think where they are now, he's not going to get a bid till probably, say, let's say 18 to 25, somewhere in that bracket. Um, so I think that you wouldn't want to trade down too much just in case a club decided to bid. So I think they'll hold on to it, maybe go at all. Um, they might, if Luke Jackson was on the board, I think they'd snap him up quicker than anything, but I don't think he will be. Um, and of course, you, you, they might consider a Cody Waitman if they want to go for that tall, like that um, higher end small forward. But again, I think Melbourne are keen to snap him up. Um, and then if you look down the track, obviously McGuinness will cost them at least 30 Plus, I would say, depending on how high the pick is, one of the 42 or 54. We know they'll slide down somewhere, but um, we'll, we'll say, hypothetical sake, 30 and, and 54. So, And he'll be more ready-made than a lot of others, um, but certainly still got areas to work on. I'll throw another hypothetical at you. So a bid does come prior to 11 for McGuinness. Do Hawthorne use that? Is, yes. he, is he good enough That's for that be pick? Tough. I think that would be tough. I think they're anticipating there won't be. 
Um, because as good as he is, I, I probably wouldn't use a top 10 pick on him, in fairness. Um, he's, if it was a first rounder, and I know that is a first rounder, but if it's a mid first rounder, I would probably do it. Like if it was, let's say hypothetically 14, 15, mm. I'd do it. But if a bid comes in at eight, nine, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough. It, but again, they might rate him in the top seven or eight in their draft and go, yeah, sure. Um, I think from memory, he's about in that 18 to 20 roughly for, for me. Um, so, and he has been as high as say 15, 16. So it's not completely like a, out of the question. And he's the kind of player that if they match, I wouldn't be shocked or say, oh, wow, that's not any good. It's more than fair. Um, but I think they'd definitely have to consider it. But anything after they get to 11 and he's still on the board, they're going to match it pretty quick after yeah. that. Yeah, which is which is fair enough for them. Um, the turnaround for them, if so, if they bring these kids in plus complement what they've already brought in, the future looks pretty bright for the Hawks. Yeah, I think they're probably another year or so off, but I think they're getting there. Like they, I think their forward line might struggle a bit this year because um, Ruffy's just Ruffy. So, um, you know, he's literally a legend. So the fact that he's out now and whatnot, I think they they'll probably be around there, but. He didn't well, play much this year, though. No, Ruffy. he didn't. But I think there'll probably be a, a similar number. Like they do welcome back Tom Mitchell, which is a pretty handy in. Um, but at the same time, I just think that maybe they'll be in that same bracket again, like that competing for finals. They might take that next step, I think. But they're that kind of team that always wins when you sort of you you don't really want them to because they're relying on you to. Then when you need them to win, they don't. But shout out to Hawthorne because they are. They gave us a top four spot, so they're in my good books at the moment. Yeah, so and my motors go to Perth, so I'm <laughs> not too happy about that. Right, so mutual, uh, different yeah, feelings here. Yeah, so. Very, very different. Mm. Uh, you're listening to the Final Siren podcast, thanks to Draft Central. Head to afl.draftcentral.com.au because all of the names that we're mentioning, there's a profile ab- available mm. not only on the website, but also in the book, the Encyclopedia, the 2019 Draft Guide, now available. Make sure you get your hands on a copy of it. Let's head over the border to South Australia. There's a couple of interesting clubs. Mm. We'll start with Port Adelaide, and they've they've got an interesting hand. They've got 12, 18, 29 yep. break, yep. 66, 67, 68. So they've got three picks yep. in a row in the 60s and a couple of early round selections. They've also got a couple of father-son prospects mm. coming through this year and next year as well, just to keep that on the horizon. Yeah. Where do they go from here? They're, they're, for me, from, from looking at it from a, a, a list and a club perspective based on their performances this year, they've got, they seem to have two ends. They've got very experienced veterans yeah. that are coming to the end and a, an exciting young group coming through that's probably not quite there to hit a, a mid-tier and, and challenge. Yeah. It can go either way for them, I think, over the next 12 months, which is a big risk for their head coach. Yeah, um, for sure. And and it's very interesting, um, I guess, looking into Port Adelaide and, and their list and everything. I think last year they nailed the draft. They're still my draft winners from last year, um, aside from obviously Gold Coast, but you knew they were always going to win with the picks they had. In terms of the ones that didn't have... Um, the underrated. Much. Yeah, the underrated picks. I think they nailed every one of them. So um, for me, Port was the, the the story of the draft last year. And, and the, um, I guess, pendulum, if you like, will turn. It'll eventually go in their favour. And I think in a few years we're going to see them 
quite exciting. They might have a year again dropping down, but again, similar to Hawthorne, they could sneak into the eight if they get their act together. Those names that you've just mentioned, Butters, Dersma, we know, mm. and um, the others, we know how good that they are yeah. and the brilliant impact that they've made throughout their first season in, in footy. But are they going to be able to back that up going into a second campaign? Because that sometimes can be the, mm. the second year blues, if you like. Yeah, it's it's obviously always something there um, that might see them, uh, I guess, wane off a bit. But um, yeah, it really comes down to the individual and how much they work and, and train and, and and whatnot. And I think that they'll be up for it because they're quite, um, you know, seasoned professionals. They were leaders within their clubs at under 18s level, and obviously you can chuck Rosie in there. It was pretty handy this year, I think. Um, but yeah, it, look, I think they were really good, and now they've got another couple of top uh, 20 picks. Uh, and the lad Jackson Mead, who I expect will use up that pick 29, um, whether or not they drop any of the 60s back, I don't think that'll worry them. Um, but chances are he'll probably get a bid in that mid-20s region, somewhere in there. Um, but yeah, for 12 and 18, they're going to get in a couple of quality players. And, and for me, I think that, um, you know, you might be looking at a, a tall and a small, just trying to mix it up a little bit. They might, um, at 12 again, uh, Fisher McCasey, like it was Harrison Jones last week. These ones, are, these are all the clubs that want to all that are at the top end. So, um, look, you know, Fisher McCasey, if he's on the board, um, I think they'd snatch him before the Bulldogs had a chance. Um, Josh Worrell, again, he might be in there. That region could be 12, could be 18, probably gone by 18 though. Um, Will Gould, if they want to go local talent, I have a feeling that he'd definitely come into consideration at 18 if he was uh, on the board. Um, and then potentially, again, if someone wants to really bugger them up and bid on more than 18 for Mead and then they've got to use 29 instead, then that's probably a Sam DeConning type selection, although he might be gone by then. Though, again, I expect Mead to be that 29. Um, and then, yeah, if they decide to go small, you've potentially got a bid on Liam Henry if he hasn't been bid on uh, to force Frio's hand. And then you look and you've got Trent Bianco floating around there. Miles Bergman might be an option if they want to go a bit more X-factor in that forward line. Um, Trent Rivers, a really consistent midfielder. You know, he's got some good athletic traits and just really consistent. Um, yeah, I think they just need a little bit of everything, mostly KPP. Um, but certainly, you know, if they want a bit of midfield speed and um, adding on to that what they had last year. Key position player yeah. for anyone out there yeah. that doesn't know the the acronym. You know, we need to yep. keep it simple, Pete. I know yeah. you, you know, strut you around in the high circles. I, I think most football fans that watch lots of football would probably understand do. that, Coxie. They probably do, but I'm just ensuring mm. it just for anyone out there. Um, for those roman- romantics of football, because I pick it. Yeah. Would you take a punt on him with that 29? Well... What's interesting is what we've, well, no, Mead will be going with 29. So Well, that you're s- suggesting yeah, that. But um, hypothetically, um, if he was there, it's actually quite interesting because the news that came through today was that um, Cozzy Pickett got an invite to the draft, which well, I think they're going to probably invite 25 people. So um, he was probably in that, you know, 50-50 to get it. And um, apparently he's got one. So doesn't necessarily mean he's going in the in that first round, but it means he's in contention. So makes it very interesting for those picks. And he's another one that's been spoken about to have high cultural qualities, mm. leadership qualities off the field as well. So that complements the, yeah. the crop that they picked up last year. So whether they... You know, pull the trigger. I think 12 was probably yeah. too early. But then again, if he's been invited to the draft, there's, yeah. pe- there's clubs sniffing around. 
Yeah, he won't go at 12, Coxie. No. Um, I be, said that. He'd, he'd probably be at, uh, yeah, like, I mean, 18 would be the one if they were going to pick him. But, again, I think it might be that bit early. I think he's got quality upside. But, of course, at 170, you're always going to have that Would it be a shock, then, to take it with 18? Given that they've got pick 12 be, and we'll get a, an elite quality yeah, player. Yeah, look, I'd be highly surprised. I Like, for me, if someone picked him with that mid-20s, I'd go, yep, that's that's fair. That's cool. Um and again, I can see the the side, the reasoning behind it, and certainly he's a quality player with great upside. But I can't remember the last time a one seventy centimeter player got picked that high. You know what I mean? Like Brent Harvey days mm. and Caleb Daniel. Like Caleb Daniel was elite everything, and he went down to the fifties or something. And of course, I expect Cosy to be much higher than that, but probably twenties. Um, but um, you know, stranger things have happened. And if you can welcome a a, a picket and a mead into your um, team, well, we and, are feeling old. <laughs> and there's one other, mm. Trent Burgoyne. Yeah, and that's another, we've been about rookies before, potentially a rookie pick. Um, yeah, get the feeling. Similar to the others, if you got a national draft bid, depending on how their fix, uh, picks fall with Mead, probably not matching, but, you know, possible. If it's zero points, they'll match. Um, but if he goes to the rookie draft, I think they'd definitely consider just taking him for again for his upside he hasn't tested in since the start of last year he's missed all the testing since so he's had injuries a fair bit and yeah he's um hamstring which is the the big issue because we know that's reoccurring and um yeah so he's definitely long term but again um he's got talent and uh, as they all do but um yeah i i think that cozy will be in that 20s and whether or not, again, we'll talk about that trading down, but again, they've got to be careful with me mm. floating around because if you trade down to, hypothetically, let's say they traded 18 for Adelaide's 23 and 28, not that Adelaide would do it, but hypothetically, if they did that, 23, um, and then suddenly someone bids on them, like on Mead with 22, and then they have to match with the 23, cosy has gone in the next couple of picks and they miss out on him with 28, 29. So they've just got to be real careful with the picks they've got. Um, they would have to know when Mead's getting a bid um, come draft night or at least within a couple of picks because you don't want to be, I guess, too cute in that sense and trying to take it all. And Could, yeah. so, could someone call their bluff and go for Mead at 18? Oh, someone could, yeah. Someone definitely could, and I think they would match that. Um, so he's good enough to be matched? I, yeah, I, at 18, I'd, I'd okay. still be happy. Uh, again, not if it was 12, but he won't get it at 12. But at 18, I'd definitely be happy to match that, I think. Yeah. And a picket. Burgoyne Mead potentially on the list. Yeah, don't. Anyone remember 2004? Jeez, oh. um, <laughs> we're at, thinking back. All, at, all we need is a corns and we got the whole set, I think. Two, 2004 yeah. was when I finished primary school. Started high school, actually. Yeah. Um, this is the final sign for podcast, just in case you've tuned in at this point and wondering what the hell's going on. <laughs> Nostalgia trip. We are going down memory uh-huh. lane, new segment. Um, Adelaide, mm. the next club. Now, I just want to bring up what they've lost yeah. in the last month and a bit. Cam Ellis Yolman, Eddie Betts, Sam Jacobs, Hugh Greenwood, Alex Keith, Josh Jenkins. They also lost Douglas through retirement slash being pushed out the door. <laughs> yeah. Um so they've lost a lot of experience and I think everyone knows that. They've got picks at four, then a bit of a break to 23, 28, 37, 45, 49. So they've got a good group in that second yeah. round to fourth round, they're in me rebuild mode. 
But the question I have is, have they got enough quality picks to be able to bring in talent that's going to be good enough for a rebuild long-term? Yeah, I, th- I think certainly with those first couple of picks, um, pick four, you're going to get an elite talent. There's no doubt about that. And if I'm Adelaide, obviously we assume, well, we know, Rail and Anderson will be off the board. So, no. Really? <laughs> um, I think it'll be interesting to see which way Melbourne go. And Melbourne, I think, if I had to say, would probably lean towards Hayden Young, which gives them a few options. It, uh, I'd If I was them, I'd probably be looking at your two options of Sam Flanders or Dylan Stevens. One provides you that X-factor up forward, and even though he's that inside mid which they've got, he has a bit more pace and, and powerful burst about him rather than uh, compared to some of the others that they've got on the list. Uh, and Dylan Stevens is that outside midfielder runner who does have inside tendencies, but um, you know with his skills and speed, he's definitely that outside runner. So he and being a local boy, he'll be one they'll certainly consider, and they'd be the top two and. You can chuck in um, Caleb Sarong as a potential, but again, I feel like that's probably the sort of filling the need they've already got. They've they've mm. got enough inside hardworking midfielders. Um, they, and they need key. Mm. They need long term key prospects. Yeah, and and at at the end of the day, or like KPP, yeah. To them well, that's the other thing. Do they go the Luke Jackson? They they could pounce on Luke Jackson at four, and I don't think anyone would blink an eye because I don't think Melbourne will will go for him considering Melbourne's ruck depth. So he'll be on the board at Adelaide's pick. Um, they could pounce and go, we'll team him up with Riley O'Brien for the next 10 years. Um, and, and we've got ourselves a ruck duo that we can, um, you know, build our club around, which is more than possible. And that'd certainly annoy Fremantle, a um, couple of picks down and, and whatnot. Um, and potentially GWS who might've been looking at him. So, I mean, they're, they're the picks you're looking at there. And then if you go to the picks in the 20s, uh, they might go for a bit of outside pace then if they can pick up a Jackson and they might be looking at a Jeremy Sharp, a Darcy Kassar, a Jay Rantel, a Sam Philp um, across those three picks between 23, 28, 37. Um, or if they don't go for a tall and they opt in that first pick with, say, they go Flanders or Stevens, potentially they might consider uh, a Will Gould if he's still on the board at 23, a Sam DeConning again if he's around that mark. Or perhaps they just wait um, to pick up one of the local talents in Dyson Hilda or Carl Finlay at 37 or um, 45. So, I mean, there's a couple of options late as well that they can go local, pick them up and, and bring them straight into the club. A name you didn't mention when you were talking about pick four, Tom Green. Mm, Do oh. they, w- would they, given that they've got, they seem to have an okay midfield. They mm. haven't lost too much out of that core group and they've got yep. some standout players there as well. Would you bid on him just to throw a spanner in the works for GWS, or are they more inclined to go for your, as you said, your Luke Jackson? Yeah, it's going to be interesting because I think that most people know that as great as t- Tom Green is, and we know we had this discussion last week. Um, I think most clubs like GWS would know Adelaide are doing it just to annoy them, rather than to well, they, actually select them. Um, they had because, a crack last year. The who was the North Melbourne? Yeah. Oh, Taron Thomas. Yeah. yeah. Um, was it the, was Adelaide didn't, that had it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, and that's the interesting thing. I th- I think that I I could see the need for that, but for Green, I don't think that's the need. Like that's Adelaide's strength. They're inside contested hard ball winning mm. midfielders. Like they've got so many inside ball winners. Um, they had to get rid of a couple because mm. they just had so many. So they don't need him. And as good as he is, and I think if they were to bid at four, we know it would be just to irritate GWS. Um. Look, they might have him up high, and rightly so. He's 
in that top few picks and being bidded on in that pick is um, more than relevant. But in terms of do we need him or do we pick someone else? No. Um, but do we know GWS are going to match? Yes. So it's, it's a potential that um, they would come up with. But for me, I think he'll probably last till the next pick at least with Sydney, and then Sydney will go, yes, thanks, because it's a need for Sydney, yeah. so it makes sense for Sydney to bid. Um, but for Adelaide, yeah, I, I think that they might just play a straight bat and, and go for, say, Jackson or someone like that. Um, but they've also got to take into consideration a Luke Edwards next year who could be um, quite high up in the draft, and GWS might just remember that for next year. So you've got to, mm. there's those kind of mind games Swings you've got to remember. Yeah, they they might even have a word to them before the draft and just say, remember you've got Luke Edwards next year. <laughs> so um, I wouldn't be doing anything hasty. The other yeah. thing that's interesting about this pick four is, of course, it's the result of the infamous Carlton trade yes, yep. during the selection last year with Liam Stocker. So. Just to continue yeah. that narrative, I know I'm opening uh, old wounds for Carlton supporters up well, there. Well, I think they did well in the end. Yeah. yeah. Considering Adelaide didn't fire the way that they no. could have. Because some people had them for the premiership or pushing for it. And yeah, they, uh, they were probably the disappointment for mine for the season. And I maintain, well, of course, yeah. um, I maintain that uh, Liam Stocker is still going to be a jet yeah, well, I think both both teams could win, particularly with pick four. So yeah, yeah it's all academic, really. Yeah. Um, However, having said all that and nice stuff about pick four, I think Adelaide's going to be one that's... We talked about the sides that were pulling into the overtaking mm. lane going for the premiership. Yeah. I reckon these are the ones that's just got to pull over to the side of the road and put a bit of fuel in the... Uh, yeah. Fuel, I, water I th- in the radiator and... I think the problem with them the last few years has been they've been pl- topping up those yep. age things. Like, they've been so close to a flag, they've been kept topping up with players that they're solid, solid role players and pretty, you know, good across the board... But they're not quite. They're not going to take him to a flag per se. So now, towards the second half of that season, yeah, the second half of the season, you saw particularly the players. You know, they were starting to try people out, do different things. Um, Like you've still got Chase Jones, Ned McHenry from last year waiting in the wings, waiting to come in. Um, A lot of the players, like Lockie Murphy, came through and and did really well. They've got quite a few that are coming through, and I think that next year will be the time that Adelaide just go look. You know. Um, we've got a new coach. We're ready to just attack it. Let's, you know, let's start like we're starting from ground zero. That's the reason the for the foundation. Douglas, Greenwood, Ellis yep. um, Yolman. They offer stuff to other clubs like Gold Coast, perfect fit. For Adelaide, what they need is that youth to come through. The Crouch brothers to really take control of that midfield and go, yep, we're now the leaders in here. Obviously, Rory Sloan's still around. Um But that group can go, look, we've got the midfield. We can win it. Now let's shape the team elsewhere. And I've just... I still got a question. I know that the picks are good, but are they good enough mm. to be able to use this year's draft as a foundation to reset? I just questioned that. That's mm. that's the, the well, wait well, and see. Time will tell. Certainly will. North Melbourne's the final one we're going to take a look at in the uh, middle of the road teams. Um, and again, they're, a, they're kind of in the same bracket for me as Port Adelaide. We don't really know... We know they've got talent on the list, yeah. But whether that can perform to the highest level, yeah. What's coming through? They've only got picks at twenty six, twenty seven, forty seven, and fifty. Yeah. Um, keeping in mind that we're only looking at the first yeah. four rounds ish of yeah. of the draft. They need a, a spine. Yeah. They've lost a couple of key position players, KPPs, um, in in the last couple yeah. of weeks. 
couple months. Um, so they need a spine. They need some speed because I still feel they're very one pace, mm. solid in the midfield, able to win the ball, but not not necessarily able to get it moving yeah. fast. I just I, I struggle to see where they're going to go over the next twelve months. Yeah, for for me, North, it's going to be really interesting to see like just how they attack this draft because, as you mentioned, they've got a few holes to fill there with the outside speed, the key position, potentially small forward. I'm I'm looking at their picks going 26-27. You're probably looking at one of those speedy midfielders and then perhaps a forward. Um, it really depends. Key position, again, you're at that awkward kind of thing where you're like, does Deconning last that long? Perhaps, maybe not. Then do you reach for perhaps a, a Hilda or Finlay or someone like that perhaps um, just to fill that need? Or do you break the 27 and try and go for a couple of picks in the 30s or mid-30s, late, uh, early 40s? Uh, or can I suggest another hypoth- hypothetical? Do they go the other way? Do they try and bundle? Trade up? Yeah. Yeah, well, they they, they might. Like, uh, looking, like uh, at this kind of group, it's going to be quite interesting whether or not they can um, potentially convince Port Adelaide with their pick 18, trade their 26, 27. But again, that's, they've traded down to get that extra pick. So they wouldn't have to know that there's players in that range. They'd probably want another, like they'd probably want a two for two rather than a two for one, I would guess. Um, so it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be tough to see what they end up doing. For me, obviously, when you talk outside speed, Jay Rantel, Elijah Taylor might be up there with their the forward and outside speed um Agreeance, uh, you could have Ned Cahill. Um, Cozzy Pickett is where this comes into the discussion. Mm. And again... He's him, got links back to the yeah. North too from a romantics perspective. Yeah, definitely. And and certainly, yeah, like we talked about Byron being uh, Port, then we're really going back in time when he used to be at North. Uh, <laughs> that was back in the day. Uh, didn't he play in that 99 grand I final? I did. did all right there, I think. I think he did. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, but anyway... Uh, once we're past the nostalgia trip again, um, I, I wasn't. A, I yeah. can't remember back then. Yeah, part. too old. Uh, but no, Pickett. Uh, look, I think Pickett would be a perfect selection for them at that range. Again, they'd probably be a bit nervous if he got invited to draft night because they'd think, "Oh, will he go a bit higher? Do we need to trade up?" Um, perhaps we'll see what happens. Um, but certainly, I think with those picks, you're probably going to go a couple of the smalls or mediums, if you like. Um, Unless a DeConning or Harrison Jones is perhaps available, you might go for a Hugo Ralph Smith, who again has that sort of mid forward capability. Um, but yeah, I, I think they'll go for either the sort of forward and a mid, um, or you know, a, a versatile one who can play both. Um, or if there is a tall that they like that slides, perhaps a tall and a small, and then they just pick up some late quality at 47.50. So. They're all the clubs mm. in the, the middle of the road and all the names that we've just mentioned you can view on afl.draftcentral.com.au to get an expanded profile or download the book, <laughs> the encyclopedia. Um, as we conclude that this middle section of the AFL ladder from 2019, who do you look at from those six sides that we've just spoken about and go, I'm really bullish about a the picks that they've got in this year's draft, but the potential that they've got going into 2020. Well, if we're talking 2020, I think the Bulldogs are the clear team to to watch out for. The other team, I think that depending how they go with the draft and how they improve, is whether or not it's North Melbourne. Perhaps um, I, I think that they potentially could add 
to their list um, with a, a few little holes. If they can add that outside speed, then perhaps we know how well they showed the year before. And this year really tells us if that was a bit of a mirage, if you like, or whether that was perhaps a building block and this year was the stumbling block. So um, they're going to be an interesting team to watch. But in terms of the uh, draft selections, I really like um, Port Adelaide's hand. I think they've got a really good hand. Um, and I really like Adelaide as well. Um, again, it'd be great if they had that little bit in between 4 and 23, but I think they've got enough that they'll get a few really good players in, and it's uh, quite interesting. And also, I think that we're going to see some uh, uh, father-sons or familiar names pop up, if not at their father's club, then potentially at um, another club or, or their uncle's club. Um, and, yeah, I think it's going to be a great time. going to be really interesting with this group. I'm going to say Hawthorne. Um, because I think they've got the most even spread throughout the draft. They've, mm-hmm. I reckon they've they're perfectly placed yeah. from a from a picks point of view. You think the players that they've brought in and the players returning from injury. It pains me to say it, but I reckon I've got them just as a, a nose in front of the Western Bulldogs with mm. what they're going to be able to yeah, do. It's going to be a competitive year next year. I think um, who, it's going to be real good. Who are you most worried about? Who am I most worried about in terms of? Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know where this I, is Yeah, going. look, I, I don't know. Look, I've I opened the door here. Yeah, obviously, based on this year, the the big question mark will come over Essendon based on the off-season, what we witnessed, how much of that. There were a lot of things swirling around, obviously. If you've got two key players that want to walk out your door, I'm interested to see that narrative. Now, obviously, there's two massive sides to this story that have argued either way or do whatever. It's going to be interesting to see how they regroup regardless because clearly at some point these players have wanted to leave or considered leaving um, regardless of of whatever happened. Um, It's how they regroup them. And I feel for Essendon, for me, that's they've probably got the biggest gap between what could happen. They could go up and become a top four team or they could fall right away. So I think that they're going to be that real tender hooks one. where if we look at the other ones, you look at Port, I think that they're probably going to be, again, round middle of the road, but I think their future in a couple of years is going to be bright. And I hope that, you know, Ken Hinckley's able to gel them all together and, and they're able to achieve before they, they try and do anything too rash there. So I think he's a, you know, he's a great coach and I think that um, sort of underrated because he's sort of come in at a um, a time where he's had time to develop and maybe didn't go the way he hoped and, and he's copped a bit of flack, fairly enough, and... Um, now he's got a fair bit of youth coming through and hopefully they go all right. And, um, yeah, so obviously Essendon or potentially Adelaide with, again, same reason as Essendon. Mm. A lot of players leaving or wanting to leave, rumoured to leave. Um, it's going to be interesting. I think with Essendon and Adelaide, they're the two that, again, Adelaide as well, they could drop right off and, and that's potentially what's going to happen with the ageing lease bringing in youth. But I think theirs might be more of a, not deliberate drop off, but one that, a phasing in, phasing out, similar to Hawthorne type yeah. phasing in, phasing out role, where Essendon, I feel like they want to go for the flag, um, or, or top four certainly, but it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens because I think that's going to be I think we might see what we we've seen from them the last few years where they can beat anyone on their day but they can lose to anyone on their day and and that's the inconsistencies. And I, I think it's the 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 middle of the road players for Essendon that need to fire and if they don't click and mm. don't come on as expected then they're going to have yeah. issues which is unfortunate from my perspective but I agree I think they've got the most mm. to lose not only with the draft given their draft hand yeah. but 
just where they sit overall, and then Adelaide and Port Adelaide probably the next two yeah. behind them. That's it for this edition. It's been mm. a big one. Yeah. Um, lot to discuss, lot to dissect. I can only imagine that next week is going to be even bigger, given that we'll be yeah. looking at uh, the under-construction side. So these are the ones that finished in the bottom six of the 2019 AFL ladder. There's a couple of exciting clubs. Yeah. Carlton, Melbourne, where do they yeah. to A go? year ago, Melbourne were in the, would have been in the premiership window, and now we're talking about them. Oh, look, I think it's going to be interesting next year next week because I feel like some of those clubs have a lot more potential than some of these ones even yeah. because of their upside. They're further back, but I think that they're starting to accelerate along that highway you were talking about yeah. last week and preparing to overtake. So I think it's going to be quite interesting to see how they go. And some of those clubs have a lot of draft picks or, or, or a really strong draft hand. I feel like obviously we've gone from the premiership window, which had the later draft picks in that first round to these group who have that mid thing. And now we're going to talk top end talent. So we might be able to talk about, you know, potential top 10 picks and, and everything next week. So it's going to be great. It certainly will be. And a reminder, get your hands on a copy of the draft guide, the 2019 mm. edition, afl.draftcentral.com.au. Have a read of it prior to listening to the next edition of the podcast because we'll be discussing some very high-profiled names, that's for sure. And keep an eye out on social media too for ongoing content. Uh, Draft Central AUS across Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Been a big addition. Thank you very much to the Chief Editor, Pete Williams. Uh, not too many barbs from you. I was surprised. No, no, you were I well contained. Nice, yeah. I, I thought I'd just be... Same I don't what? think could be said for Carlton next week if we get our third panellist uh, back on board in Michael Avaro, yeah. the number one interviewer. Oh, well, you know... He, he might have another week off. <laughs> no, no. Like, it is an exciting time. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm quite excited about this draft and, and where things lie. So, yeah, not long now, and then I get a break. That'll be good. Because <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know, it pretty much runs from now... Well, now footy runs from, if you count AFL women's, pretty much Feb through till end well, of like, November. So, it's pretty much a summer break. So, it's like I'm back in school. You get <laughs> December, January off, and you're, you're back again working hard. And here, here we are going back yeah. onto the nostalgia. So, I'm going to stop yeah. it right there. Thanks very much for joining us here no on the worries. Final <laughs> Siren Podcast, the Nostalgia Edition. Uh, we'll have your company next week where we take a look at the bottom six sides from the 2019 season. I'm Matthew Cox. We look forward to your company then here on the Final Siren Podcast. Thanks to Draft Central. Draft Central.